When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celebrating 100 years of service, I'm Christian Blood. And here we go with Jack Riccardi. Good afternoon, Jack. Good Monday afternoon, Christian. How are you? Doing swell. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. I saw saw Jennifer Lopez had a birthday over the weekend. Yeah. She's, uh, She's 53, and she celebrated her birthday by posing nude on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I remember when women would want to wear something special for their birthday. Not anymore. I guess that's not a problem, you know. Um, she looks great. I mean, I'm not putting her down. She, I love Jennifer Lopez, and she looks fantastic. Um, but, I mean, wow, I don't, I've got a birthday coming up, and you know, I'm around her age. I, <laughs> no, no, I don't, no. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. That's why I call it a birthday suit, right? All right. Um, speaking of, uh, a blast from the past, I'd forgotten all about this guy. I mean, I literally had forgotten that Al Gore existed. I had just forgotten. I I didn't try to. I'm kind of happy that I did, but I, I had forgotten about Al Gore. Al Gore has suddenly surfaced. This is a very weird thing, right? Have you noticed this? He's everywhere. And he did an interview on Meet the Press. And, um, he's being talked up. Al Gore is as the guy that the Democrats should run in 2024. Because, you know, right, you've seen the polls, right? Right now it's like anybody but Joe Biden. And so they're talking up Al Gore, and and they and, and the uh, moderator of Meet the Press even said, you know, what about you? And, oh, well, no, I'm, uh, he gave his whole humbling, shambling, rambling, oh, no, not, not me. I've never thought about anything like that. No, no, I... He says he's recovering from politics, and if he ran for office, that would be that'd be a relapse. You know, right? You know that Al Gore looks in the mirror every day. Well, you know he looks in the mirror every day. But you know, you know he thinks, what if, and if only, if he had just shaken like 500 more hands in Florida, you know, or whatever. So anyway, they also asked him about, um, he's talking about, uh, the climate, that's his favorite thing now. And he says that people that don't agree with him on climate change are climate deniers, which is a very interesting construction because when you say climate denier, it sounds like Holocaust denier. And Holocaust deniers are awful people, right? They're people that are that are lying to themselves and others about a historical fact. Disagreeing with Al Gore about what we should do about the planet is not the same thing as denying the Holocaust. It gives you some idea of how important uh, Al Gore thinks he is. You, you can't disagree with him or you're a denier. So then he drew an analogy, and I want to play this for you because this is, this is where his head is at right now. This is his analogy of, of how he sees climate deniers. Listen to this. You know, the climate deniers uh, uh, are... 
really in some ways similar to all of those uh, almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door uh, while the children were being massacred. They heard the screams, they heard the gunshots, and uh, nobody stepped forward. And God bless those families who've suffered so much. And law enforcement officials tell us that's not typical of what uh, law enforcement usually does. And confronted with this global emergency, what we're doing with our inaction and failing to walk through the door and stop the killing uh, is not typical of what we are capable of mm. as human beings. Mm -mm. I guess it's not too soon to start the Uvalde comparisons. I, I, I guess I guess it's now that's now in play. So uh, if you're driving an F-150, if you've got central air, if you like meat, you're like a Uvalde school district police officer. How's that grab you? 210-599-5555. I mean, exactly the same. Children are dying on the other side of the wall from where you are right now because of you climate deniers. I mean, this is a real ramping up of the rhetoric, right? Like, I feel like we're building to something here. Because you... You're getting to a point where the analogies in the in the imagery can't get much more overheated, sorry Al, than that. And just when you think they can't go any further, they can't, you know, get any more shrill, they do. So this is the next level. You're you're not just disagreeing, you're a climate denier and you're not just a climate denier, but you're what is the worst thing we can think to call them? Oh, they're like Uvalde police officers. Whew. By the way, this business of dusting off political relics, and I, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to come off like an ageist. I love people of all ages. But I think of our country as still a young country. In the scheme of things, in the world, we're a young country. And we need energy. And we need new ideas, and we've always moved forward. We've always moved forward. Why are we only looking back now? We should run Al Gore. We should run Hillary. We should run Bernie. We should run Trump. I mean, they'd be saying this about Biden if he wasn't already in there killing it, right? I mean, if Biden wasn't actually the president right now, he'd be in this conversation, too. Oh, he's an elder statesman. He's grandfatherly. I don't know what's worse, this incessant obsession with the oldest political leaders we can find. I mean, why not, why not Jimmy Carter? You know, he only had one term. Why aren't they, why aren't they talking about running him? He seems to have more in the stick than Joe Biden right now. And by the way, all of these liberal newspapers, the Washington Post came out over the weekend and, and told Biden he should not run again. All of these liberal newspapers and commentators that are throwing Biden under the bus, are we supposed to forget that they're the ones that made him president? They're the ones that made the case for his presidency? They're the ones who said, anything be better than, than Donald Trump, let's get this guy. And... I find it weird that the people denouncing Biden now are only denouncing Biden. In other words, Biden's got to go. Well, let me tell you something. Biden is not why you're paying four-plus a gallon for gasoline. Biden is not why the economy is in the toilet. It's these policies. 
And these policies are not being denounced or questioned or apologized for by the leftist media. They just want to get rid of him. But they want to keep the stuff that is ruining this country. And I wouldn't let him get away with it. This is not about one man. This is about a set of ideas that they are still married to, if you can say married. I guess that's probably not the right word. But you know what I'm saying, right? They're in a relationship with. They're not renouncing Keynesian economics. They're not renouncing the deep state. They're not renouncing, uh, you know, declaring everything an emergency and government by edict. In fact, they're mad at Biden because he's not more dictatorial and energetic like they wish he would be. But the, beware of the people that are like, oh, we don't want him anymore, because they're not seeing the light. These aren't people that have red-pilled. These are just people that want a cooler guy to get behind. They realize that he's not good for the cause, for the banner that they want to march behind. He, he doesn't look good at the front of their parade. 210-599-5555. Now, um, the White House is trying to redefine recession. The U.S. economy is in a recession, and all signs are pointing to a global recession, if not depression. So the White House tweeted out the rhetorical question, what is a recession? Like, you know, <laughs> what this strange new word, you know. And uh, they said, while some maintain the two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitute a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Blah, 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 blah. So it's not likely, they say, that we're in a recession. Do you, do you think so? By the way, they're lying. I mean, that's two consecutive quarters is the definition. But... I suppose if you've already redefined words like woman and vaccine, redefining recession is not that big a deal, right? There was a uh, guy that works in the State Department named Alan Iyer. He uh, tweeted over the weekend that he likes high gas prices. This is just some guy that works in the Biden administration. He's not in charge of energy. But anyway, he, he tweeted out, I prefer high gas prices equals less driving less CO2. He describes himself as a government bureaucrat on his profile. And people were all over this guy for saying that. You know, I imagine there is a kind of person who voted for Biden, who still supports him, or at least, again, remember, even if they've stopped supporting him, these people still support these ideas, all right, this, these ideologies. They just want a cooler face on them. But I imagine that they look at you and me and they see our daily lives as really, um, I guess you could say, discretionary. Is that the right word? Like, you don't have to do all that driving you do, right? Like, aren't you always just taking the car out for a spin? I know I am when I've got nothing to do or I get bored. Just take her out for a spin. I'm never going anywhere. It never has to do with my job or putting food on the table or getting things for my home or family or, or, or driving my daughter somewhere. No, I'm just, I'm just tooling around town, right? That's what you do, right? That's how they see us. And when you turn on the uh, thermostat so it's not like an inferno inside your house, 
Again, you don't need to do that. That's just something you selfishly, mindlessly do. And so their vision of you and me and how we live is uh, that we're the problem. We want 21st century comforts and conveniences, and we shouldn't. You don't need central air and the lights to stay on all day. What the hell do you think you are, a prince? And meat a couple of times a week. Come on, you can eat insects. They're talking about that again, right? And that's, the, that's what this Great Reset means to them. It sounds innocuous. The Great Reset sounds like we're just flipping a light switch on and off or plugging in and unplugging a modem or something. But this Great Reset is to redefine what proper, normal, everyday life should be like. And you may not think it, but to them, you are living in the lap of luxury. You are an indulgent, selfish, destructive, climate-denying monster. And the Great Reset is about getting you used to less, accustomed to less, expecting less. And by that measure, Joe Biden is exactly the president of the moment, right? I mean, he's the right guy. People are going to expect less. He's the president of less. 210-599-5555. All right, tell me what you think about all of this. So far, we've got a lot of breaking news to talk about, and we will. We've got a new JR poll up as well on 550 and 1071 KTSA. The Jack Riccardi Show. Yeah, we're still playing it. 423, you knew, right? You knew. 423 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. Welcome and uh, good afternoon to you. Hope you had a good weekend. This is where we get together Monday through Friday from 4 to 7 to talk about this tire fire of a era that we live in and everything that's going on in it, and uh, 210-599-5555 for you to get in and join the conversation. So uh, we are getting an XFL team. We talked about this last week. They made the announcements over the weekend. Uh, San Antonio joining the cities of Houston and Arlington, as well as Las Vegas, St. Louis, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. is all getting XFL teams, and we'll be finding out the name and logo and so forth soon. They'll play at the Alamo Dome and the great Heinz Ward, the Hall of Famer from the Pittsburgh Steelers, will be the head coach of the San Antonio franchise. And then what will happen probably is the San Antonio team will be very successful and people will flock to it and love it. And then the XFL will fold or suspend operation. I mean, I'm sorry. I love football. I, I hope I'm wrong. But that just seems to be the, the pattern here, right, with all these different uh, leagues that come through. And, and I don't know, do you think it helps or hurts when these not-the-NFL leagues come and go out of San Antonio? Does that strengthen or weaken the case for San Antonio being an NFL city, which I, I think it inevitably will be, but um, some people seem to think it gets us closer. I wonder sometimes if it works against us, because from a, a long ways away, all you would know about us is, well, they just kept having teams come and go there, and they can never keep one, and... Anyway, 210-599-5555. So we've been talking about the um, the Al Gore comparison. If you don't agree with him and totally accept the dystopian future he wants, not for himself, but for you, then you're not only a climate denier, you're like the Uvalde, as he calls them, cops. You're, you're, you're standing around doing nothing while children are dying. 
despite being, along with being a really grotesque comparison, it gives you some idea of why I say you can't really debate or discuss with people like that. I mean, if somebody, if somebody's starting point is that you're the worst human being in the world for what you believe, even though it's based on what you've read and learned and lived, how are you supposed to like work things out with that person? How do you, how do you give them like half of what they want or meet a middle ground on them? You know, I mean, that's his starting argument. Oh, if you're not with me, you're in the hallway at Rob Elementary. By the way, we had a shooting at Love Field today. 37-year-old woman, they're saying. Not that you can define a woman, but I mean, like, I guess, I guess she met the old, outdated definition we used to have for women. But anyway, they say she's a 37-year-old shooter. She was injured. She was shot by a quick-responding uh, officer. And uh, they don't know too much more about what she... She apparently went in there, went into the the gate area or the terminal area and changed her clothes in a bathroom and came out in a hoodie. And, you know. But, you know, when you think about um, these politicians, and I was mentioning, you know, Al Gore is being talked up for president. We've got Biden. They're talking about bringing back Hillary. They're talking about bringing back, you know, could, could, we, could we get Hillary again? Could we get Al Gore again? Will Michelle Obama come back? Um. It does seem interesting to me that what they're looking for are name brands. What they're looking for are people that everyone's heard of, everyone knows. So it's not that we don't have anybody else. It's not that there aren't younger leaders or more energetic uh, up-and-coming people. But ask yourself, why do they want to run known quantities? People with high name recognition, high name value. Not that we like them. These are not beloved people. Hillary? Really? And and, and I think it's because, I, I think it's for the same reason that they ran Joe Biden. You're supposed to be distracted by a person you feel like you know. Well, how bad could he be? How bad could she be? We know him. We know her. You won't notice the ideas. You won't notice the ideology. You won't notice what's. The, you won't notice the governing part. That's what I think they're doing. If you have somebody that is, everyone knows and feels like they've already assessed. Maybe people won't think too deeply or listen too closely. You know, it's like when you see somebody on the TV and you've seen them a million times. Maybe you don't pay as much attention. They don't really want you. They the people in these political parties don't really want you thinking too much, critically analyzing, listening to what they want to do. And when I listen and when I look deeply and when I analyze, it's frightening. They want to redefine basic things like women and vaccines and liberty They want to redefine what's wrong with the world as being the thing that's most right with the world, which is Western civilization. I mean, Western civilization has its faults, but it's the single most elevating, uplifting, 
force in human history. So, of course, how do you get people to, to do a 180 on that? Well, maybe if we just can distract them a little bit. And things like the gas prices. Now, when you and I were young and we had the, the energy crisis, that was a very different thing. We were dependent on a source that was not giving us what we needed. We're not, we're not out of gas and oil. This is a political creation, not a supply creation. We don't need economists to solve this. We need refineries to solve this. And the oil companies are telling us that plainly. But the politicians don't want to hear that, and they don't want you to think about it. And that's pretty much the rule across the board. The elites don't want you to get too used to or remain used to civilization. You're like a, you're like a sacrifice they're putting on the altar, right? So you don't need to be able to drive or eat or whatever it is, or vote, or whatever it is. That's what's happening here. And I think that's the, that's the, the, the appeal of dusting off these oldies but goodies. Maybe people won't notice. Tell me what you think, 210-599-5555. Now, speaking of Trump, he gave a big speech over the weekend of the Turning Point thing, and he's, um, again, very much in the conversation right now. Um, we're going to talk about an idea that... Trump supporters are talking up regarding the deep state. We're going to ask our constitutional law expert about what you can really do about the deep state after we update KTSA Time Saver Traffic on 550 and 1071 KTSA. You know, when they, um, when they fired all the cabinet builders at a local school district, Giovanni Murata, kitchen designed by Giovanni, hired them all. They had worked in that school district for decades, and he hired them. And he built them a mill shop. And he put them to work building custom solid wood cabinetry for every remodel customer at Kitchen Design by Giovanni. And that was so that the supply chain would not disrupt or delay your remodel. Because when he gives you his word, and he gives you the word of Kitchen Design by Giovanni, he keeps his word. So the price will stay the same, the schedule will stay the same, and they'll build your wood cabinets right here in San Antonio for your kitchen or bathroom project. That's Kitchen Designs by Giovanni, 210-460-0113, 210-460-0113, or go to kitchendesignsbygiovanni.com. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station, News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. 438 on KTSA, Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. The president... Uh, Former President Donald Trump was speaking at the Turning Point USA student uh, meeting over the weekend. And um, one of the things that he's talking about, like he did in 2015 and 2016, is draining the swamp. But, of course, he didn't do it, right? The swamp is what brought him down. The collusion of careerists in the federal government, uh, people just below the level of Trump appointees, why, they were the ones who were working on the impeachment. They were the ones that were whistleblowers. They were the ones, and still are the ones, uh, working with the J6 committee. So Trump is now saying, this time we got to do it. 
And he's referring to, and his supporters are referring to, and there was a story at Axios.com about something called Schedule F, which was an executive order that uh, Trump uh, issued toward the end of his presidency and then was rescinded or countermanded by an executive order from President Biden. Our constitutional law expert, Bill Pyatt from St. Mary's University, joining us in the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners newsmaker line. So, Professor, we, we know that, you know, civil servants enjoy a lot of job protection, and we know that uh, they are the swamp Donald Trump was referring to. Um, could he and can he or could he again do something to actually fire? They're talking about firing, you know, 50,000 federal employees. Is that is that a real thing? Okay. Um, first of all, thank you for having me on again, Jack. Always a pleasure to talk with you and your audience. And a quick answer is yes, the president a president could do that. And the reason the president could do that is we have a series of statutes passed by Congress that were enacted to protect people in the civil service. The idea was that you didn't want to have patronage where someone gets elected, throws all the existing employees out, and hires his or her own people. You also didn't want to have a system where government would have to relearn itself every time there was a change in administration. So there are statutes that protect people from being fired for, for no, no reason, except those that are the political appointees, relatively few employees. But there is a big loophole. There is a federal statute, 5 U.S.C. Section 7511B2, and it exempts from these protections employees whose positions have been determined to be of a confidential policy determining policymaking or a policy advocating character by the president or a top cabinet official. So what President Trump did when he was in office, he had his staff draft an order, a so-called Schedule F order, that would have placed a number of employees, would have the, the top administrators identify those people who could be removed because they would be categorized as a new under a new category, Schedule F, those people who held a confidential policy-determining uh, position. He was going to issue this in 2020, but COVID caused some delays. Long story short, it wasn't until October 21st of 2020 that President Trump signed that executive order. As you mentioned, President Biden comes into office three days after taking the position, and rescinded it. So there is no Schedule F order in place right now. But the legal structure is there, and President Trump or mm. President whoever could reconstruct that Schedule F and basically, yes, remove most of the people in federal employment by just recategorizing their jobs as confidential policy determining. Uh, does does the number 50,000 sound right in terms of how many people would fit the description you just gave? It could be. I looked at a couple of the stories on it, and, of course, there's all kinds of estimates. It looks like the goal would not be numbers so much as political uh, yeah. opponents. And I mean, we know what happened because they all brag about it, right? They would go into a meeting. He would say, I want to do X. To his face, they go, okay, sir, yes, sir. And then when they'd leave... They would slow walk it, delay it, shelve it, and they're bragging about that post-Trump. You know, hey, we kept we kept the country on an even keel, and we kept this madman from from you know wrecking democracy. So, 
I think I think the more people hear this, the more they feel like, okay, there is a swamp or there is a deep state. But I guess my question to you is, um, if this is something presidents could do, why haven't they done it before? I think it could. the answer to that could be political. It might be that they fear a political backlash. It could be that they know the courts would get involved as individual yeah. employees yeah. said, okay, maybe you have the legal power to file uh, fire confidential policy determine, uh, determining employees, but I'm not one of those people. I'm a janitor. You can't fire me for that. So it could just be that they did not want to buck the, the backlash that would happen by trying to immediately do something that would look like it was politicizing the entire federal bureaucracy. Let me shift gears with you now, Professor, because I want to ask you about something else. And I know that you're pro-life. I, I, you've mentioned that, and you know I am. <clears throat> and um, and yet, i got to tell you, I, I'm hearing people propo- in, the, in the various states where they're, you know, opening up the hood and taking a look at abortion laws, I'm hearing things that seem pretty far afield, like Here's a story about South Carolina. They've got a bill that would make it unlawful for a website to um, give advice on how to get an abortion. It would make it illegal to operate a toll-free phone number for women seeking information about abortion. You and I have talked about states where they've discussed preventing people from traveling from a non-abortion state to an abortion state. I'm not in favor of any of that. To me, that is all ridiculous, un-American. I just want to save babies. I just want to save innocent life. And I respect every state making its own law in that regard. But what do you what do you make as a constitutional law professor of states trying to go this far afield, if you will? Well, I'm absolutely confident that the Supreme Court would continue to uphold the Constitution. And in the context of the statutes you mentioned that would criminalize uh, shutting down websites, that kind of thing. The First Amendment to the Constitution guarantees the right to expression, and that didn't go away with Dobbs. In terms of some states, I don't think any state has imposed a prohibition against traveling to obtain an abortion. I know there is a proposal in Missouri to do that. But it's clear even in the opinion itself, in the, in the concurring opinion of Justice Kavanaugh, where he says that there would not be any constitutional basis to stop someone from traveling mm-hmm. across state lines because the court has recognized the constitutional right to travel. So the rest of the Constitution doesn't go out the window just because of the Dobbs opinion. And I, think I, I there get is, that what, there's probably a little bit of uh, inflation on the part of the pro-abortion people. Like, they'll pick any one of these things and fan the flames of it. Look what they're doing, you know, but... But I also think there may be a little overzealousness on the part of pro-life legislators. I mean, this is a great moment. I'm glad that we're going to have have a defense uh, of of innocent life. That somebody is speaking for that life in the womb. But you know, l- let's not become let's not become d- dictatorial about it. I mean, this this is this is still a a a federalist system, right? Yes. And so what would have to happen in those states is not just somebody propose that scheme, but a majority of the state legislature and the governor would have to go along with it and sign it. And that seems a little unlikely, even in the states that are very strong pro-life. And then you've got the federal judiciary that would intervene and strike that. So it will be a struggle. It's a political struggle. It's an emotional struggle. And everybody is, you know, going to chime in. And I guess that in one sense, that's what the Supreme Court 
decided should be the result after the Dobbs opinion. Right. Let the states decide it. Let the voters decide with the courts being the ultimate referee on matters of the First Amendment, right to travel, and other constitutional protections. All right. We put him to work on two big issues today, Professor Bill Pyatt (laughs) at St. Mary's University School of Law. Really appreciate it, sir. Thank you tonight. Thank you, Jack. Take care. All right. We're going to update KTSA Time Saver Traffic. We're going to go to your phone calls. A lot of stuff we've already talked about, and you can jump in on it. 210-599-5555 and the JR poll and more. On 550 and 1071 KTSA. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. All right, KTSA News Time 451. Monday late afternoon, Jack Riccardi, KTSA, 210-599-5555. We'll get you in here. Uh, asking you on the JR poll, did you, um, apparently there was space debris, that's what they're calling it, falling over uh, the sky, falling through the sky over San Antonio last night. If you were outside around 10 o'clock or if you had a ring camera or a camera on the side of your building, you might have seen it or could see it. Uh, did you see it? Because people thought it was a meteor or some kind of military thing, and they're saying it was space junk re-entering the atmosphere. If it wasn't, well, then that's what they're telling us, right? So I don't know. I didn't see it. Tell me if you did. 210-599-5555. You know, I, I get where the Trump people are going with the Schedule F. The idea is that... When he became president and he said, drain the swamp, the swamp laughed at him. I mean, they cried and they yelled at the sky, but then they then they laughed because they knew they could lie to his face and then slow walk stuff and, you know, bleep can it back at the department, back at the office, and they did. I mean, he, he did not drain the swamp. He did not conquer Washington, D.C. In fact, you could argue that it it got the better of him. So now he wants another chance. It looks like he's going to run again, and he wants another chance. And this time, according to um, Axios and Breitbart and some other places that I've read about it, they've got a plan that if he gets back in in 2024, they've identified about 50,000 people that have great influence over policies but are not normally appointed by the incoming administration. Well, my, you know, I'm a little peeved about this because... This is what you should have done the first time, Donald. This is what you got everybody excited about. I I don't think there's any question that it has to be done, but why didn't you do it before? And I have to tell you, I really don't think he's the best guy for that. I think, to be honest, I don't think any of these people they're talking about, Trump, Hillary, Gore, the current inhabitant, too old, been there, done that already. I voted for him twice. I'm glad I did. I think he did a lot of good things. But this is an idea that's going to require the energy of a new chief executive, somebody that knows how government works, somebody that won't get fooled. And I think there are people like that. 
But it's it's aggravating to hear them say, oh, well, this time we put you in. That should have happened. I really don't think that Trump knew people and had people ready to go to staff up his administration. I, I could be wrong, but that's how it looked to me. And you, if you get in, you have to be ready. You can't start getting ready. You have to be ready. Maybe they would be this time. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. you got Al Gore out there. Dusted him off and opened up the crypt. He says that uh, if you're a climate denier, you're like the Uvalde police officers. So charming fellow, isn't he? 210-599-5555. Mary is on KTSA calling about space junk. Hey, Mary. Yeah. Yeah, Jack, how are you doing? Uh, my neighbors and I, we smelled like burned rubber, and everybody was concerned. They thought that my house might have been burning, so my neighbor called me, and then we called the other neighbors, and we could all smell it, but we couldn't see anything. Oh. So uh, we live out here by Lackland and 410. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, where did that stuff fall, do you know? I don't know. I, I didn't think you could smell I would have thought it was miles up in the air. I wouldn't have thought you could smell it. Well, we smelled, uh, and it smelled like rubber, but we didn't mm. see anything. So well, we don't know if it's like not. As long as you didn't get hit by anything, you're in good shape. We did not. <laughs> All right, that's good. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate it. Remember when um, when Skylab was reentering the Earth's atmosphere? Remember the before we had the International Space Station? I'm dating myself now. We had Skylab. That was the original permanent manned space station. And it was up there for a few years, and then it, it uh, I think they abandoned it or discontinued it, and it fell into Earth orbit, and it fell into the Earth's atmosphere. And I remember this was a big news story in the 70s because they didn't know where it would come down. Today, I think they have more precise uh, ways of predicting. But my mom made us play inside that day. Now, I mean, I mean, that's, you know... I mean, she's a mom, but think about it. You got the whole planet. 70% of the planet is water, right? Or something like that. Mrs. Riccardi's like, you guys are playing in the house today. It was summertime, too. I remember we wanted to be outside. We couldn't. Just in case, just in case Skylab would come down, she didn't want people to say, she had her kids outside and they got hit in the head with Skylab. So there. Wasn't going to have that. Wasn't going to have that on her record. Sandra's on KTSA. Sandra, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? Good. How you doing? I'm doing well. I just have a couple of comments about some of the stuff you were talking about, Trump, and, you know, his inexperience. Well, I think a lot of his issues were that he trusted the wrong people, and maybe he yeah. needs to vet his uh, cabinet a little bit better. But I think yeah. that he could do the job if things had been a little bit different. But when you're facing an impeachment within the first year of being in office for no right. reason, how he's going to be effective? But I'm talking about before you even get in there and start, you've got to have, like you said, you've got to have people you can trust who know how it works, and then they've got to know who inside these agencies has got to go. Because he left everybody from Obama and Clinton in there, and they did him in. Right. Right. And look at Jeff Sessions. I mean, one day he's his buddy, then the day after the election, oh, I can't yeah. do this. So, I mean... You know, some poor choices for cabinet members. I, I agree. I agree. Hopefully, if he does get another chance, it's a much wiser 
uh, Donald Trump. But thank you, Sandra. Appreciate it. We're going to get to more of these calls. Grab a line, 210-599-5555 after the news. Celebrating 100 years of service, I'm Christian Blood. 55 Here once again is Jack Riccardi. So everybody's trying to figure out the space junk story. And then also, Christian, I was reading over the weekend that when uh, Vladimir Putin went to Iran, apparently there are people who are convinced that isn't really him. That's a body double. Aha. Because he got off the plane with a lot of, like, pep and energy, and there have been rumors that he's having health problems. And right. So they're saying that that couldn't have been him, you know. Um, and they're saying he might actually have several body doubles. Well, Jack, I was a lot more interested in your Skylab story, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, you say what you want, but none of us got hit by it. You know That's what I'm right. saying? So, yep. in retrospect, it looks like good parenting, but at the time, we were pretty <laughs> aggravated. But, you know, when we were kids, you would, you would do all kinds of things that we wouldn't let kids do today, like ride your bike around town and not come home till dark. And uh, I'm sure you remember stuff like that. And yeah, times have changed. When we were kids, they would uh, these trucks would go up and down the street spraying insecticide into the trees, and it would just drip down for like you know an hour afterwards. We didn't have to come inside for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to come inside for Skylab. Yeah, just saying. But anyway, if there are several Vladimir Putins, um, I feel like we ought to keep up. You know, we need several Joe Bidens. So just, I'm, you know, like the missile gap in the, in the 60s. we got to keep up with the Soviets. All right. So um, let, me, let me run this by you. Um, I read over the weekend that at a pride parade in Germany, they had a, um, <clears throat> a pro-pedophilia group participate in the parade. And then I read, the New York Times did a piece over the weekend about cannibalism. And it says that uh, cannibalism has a time and a place. Did you know? I, I thought it was, I thought we were against cannibalism. I thought we all agreed on that. Like, I thought that wasn't a red-blue thing. Uh, in an essay published by the New York Times on Saturday entitled A Taste for Cannibalism, author Alex Beggs discusses all of the recent media depictions of cannibalism, books, TV shows, and movies normalizing cannibalism. I won't go into all the specifics, but um, current and upcoming movies and series look at a what-if scenario with cannibalism and depict cannibalism. Uh, There's one uh, they describe uh, where uh, a group of uh, girls on a sports team are in a plane crash, and they are isolated and trapped, and no one knows where they are, and it kind of becomes like a Lord of the Flies thing. But in one episode, one of the girls who died in the crash is served on a platter to the other girls. Uh, There's a movie on Hulu. There's a best-selling novel called Lapvona, which portrays cannibalism. The author of the book uh, says in the New York Times piece, it was interesting to think about what part of the body you would start with. (laughs) A taste for cannibalism. And, you know, 
you've probably seen um, politicians are talking about eating bugs, right? Like the, the, the future of the food supply is going to include eating insects. The Prime Minister of Canada said that. This isn't some, you know, fifth-rate country. This is the Prime Minister of a major Western power. Uh, says uh, insects, you know, eating a bug, which you probably did on a dare when you were in the first grade. That's the future. That's the 21st century. And if that doesn't work, that doesn't fill you up, then I guess there's always, there's always people. And what all of this has in common is normalizing things that shouldn't be and never used to be normal. We are putting things before people with a kind of uh, repetition, almost metronomic repetition. And we're saying, this is normal. This is the future. Get ready for it. Get used to it. Of course we're going to eat bugs. I mean, why wouldn't we? And what's funny about all this is, I mean, I don't accept it. I don't believe it. But it's the, it's the promotion of scarcity. Now, you may be old enough to remember when politicians always wanted to promise more. Politicians always said the future will be better, richer, more prosperous. A chicken in every pot, two cars in every garage. There's been a shift. Today's politicians are promising less and, and promoting the idea that you should get used to and expect less. Now, if the power goes out, that's normal. You don't need central air. That's a frill. You don't need your own car. You don't need to go to work. I mean, these are not normal things unless you hear them so much that you start to believe they are. So this is the brave new world, right? It's the promotion of scarcity. And again, it's very different from what politicians used to do. Now, politicians were often lying when they promised more and riches and prosperity, but at least they thought back then that it was their job to at least go through the motions. They were supposed to at least promise more. Whether or not they delivered is another matter, but that was the promise. You're being told to get used to and expect less. How do you feel about that? 210 599 5555. Less liberty. You don't need these rights. These rights are dangerous. You don't need the independence of like owning your own car or a single family house. And not only do you not need these things, but having these things is killing the planet. You're a climate denier. And now I guess you can't have chicken or hamburgers but you can have ladybugs, cockroaches, or crickets. Now, one way of looking at this is that we have incompetence in our elites. Our elites are so bad at what they do that they have to pretend scarcity was the plan all along. We meant to run out of fossil fuels. Another way of looking at it is they're trying to see how much you'll accept. How compliant will you be? How much will you lower your expectations. I think that's a big part of why we run down Western civilization or Anglo-Saxon 
civilization in general, right? I mean, it's the most civilizing thing. It's the, been the greatest lifter out of poverty ever, but it's got to be recast as, oh, that was the problem with everything. That was our big mistake. Western civilization, that's where we went wrong. Are you, are you buying that? They have no intention of meeting your expectations. They have every intention of lowering them. And you should settle for less and less. And in that regard, Joe Biden is the perfect president. He's less of a president than we've ever had. He's literally not even on the job most of the time. But you're not supposed to expect much more anyway, right? 210-599-5555. It wasn't that long ago that we rewarded people who said, I can fix it, I can make it better, it can be better than it ever was. That was the appeal of Giuliani as the mayor of New York. I used to go to New York every year on business, and you saw the, the, the turn, the upturn in the livability of that city, in the functionality of that city, in the safety of that city. You could, you could sense it. Things worked, and people felt safer. And he was reelected because he said, this doesn't have to be this way. But today, when we elect a politician, he or she tell us, not only is it not going to get better, but you should expect it to get worse. That's why the White House is now saying, this isn't a recession, this is normal. <laughs> They're celebrating the fact that they brought gas prices down a little bit, even though they're still historically high, sky high. Do you think people are falling for this? 210-599-5555. And it's funny because at the same time that we're being told to get used to the new normal and accept these radical new expectations, young people seem less flexible and able to deal than ever. What's the news full of? It's always full of young people walking out of a lecture, walking out of a school, walking out of a classroom. I don't want to hear. I want a safe space. I don't want to learn something new. I don't want to hear an opinion I don't agree with. I don't want a guest speaker I don't agree with. Protect me from things I don't know. Kind of weird, right? We're being told everything's got to be new and change and different. But the youngest Americans seem unable to handle anything out of their comfort zone. Why should we? Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. We're going to kick it around and get your votes in on the Stevens Roofing JR poll on KTSA. I know that when you buy stuff, you do your homework and you ask people and you make sure you have all the information and you maybe even read reviews of people that have the product. What's it like to have this product? But with a Connecticut quality water softener, you don't have to read somebody else's story. You can have your own. You can have a 90-day no-obligation trial of the Made in America Connecticut water softener, the one I have. And they'll hook it up and let you live with it for up to 90 days, and you can see what you think and how it feels and how it performs. If you've had bad experiences with a water softener before, see how different this is. Call 210-656-PURE, 210-656-7873, or ConnecticutSA.com. 523 on 550 and 1071 KTSA, Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. Here's a story. Uh, this happened uh, over the weekend. A pro-life 
professor at the University of Michigan uh, went to give a talk at some uh, ceremony or some event at the at the uh, UM Medical School, and a bunch of the medical students walked out of her talk because she is known to be pro-life. Her talk wasn't about abortion. had nothing to do with it. But they got up and left because they couldn't hear the words of a member of their faculty due to her political point of view or her opinion. Now, these snowflakes are the cutting edge of a society that we are told needs to accept radical change. You've got to get used to an entirely new way of living. Everything's going to be different. And by different, we mean dystopian. We mean not so great. How's that going to work? Right? All this, we're going to eat bugs and not have electricity. How how is that going to work if we're raising snowflakes? The only way that could work, assuming that really was the future, you'd have to raise incredibly strong, resilient, self-contained men and women. We're doing the opposite. That makes no sense to me. Does that make sense to you? John is at 210-599-5555 on KTSA. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, As I told the screener, kind of disagree with you because you being the critical thinker that you are knows that two negatives is a positive. Therefore, more, we have more inflation, more taxes, more of everything that we don't want, therefore it's a positive. You got to look at it that way. No, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm talking about, John. You may have misunderstood me. Um, being the, they're not. They're not promoting more of anything. They're promoting less. In fact, the way they're promoting uh, more, if you will, is that they're going to take more of your earnings, and you're going to pay more and and support a bigger, uh, more uh, intrusive. Uh, federal government. So I would have to say I think you're wrong about that. Um, I think it's a I think it's a future that uh, is trying to reset, and that's why they call it the Great Reset, right? If it was the same as we've always had, if it was, hey folks, things are going to get better, you know, it's morning in America, they wouldn't call it a reset, right? Reset means, hey, we're going to go the other way now, and they are. And look, I'm I'm not okay with that. But I'm not the future. But when I look at the people who are, they seem singularly incapable of dealing with hardship. Like, how are you going to visit hardship and deprivation on people that cannot handle a guest speaker they disagree with? Miriam is on KTSA. Hi, Miriam. Hi, Jack. Uh, It's good to talk to you. And I'm a first-born, first-generation Cuban-American. My mm. parents had to leave their country that they loved mm-hmm. because they had to flee communism. They came to the United States legally and had to rebuild. They had businesses and everything. Mm-hmm. And they started to love this country. And what we are seeing today is what my parents always told me they saw in Cuba, which was flourishing is that they took everything away from them, took their history away, their businesses, their vehicles, their homes, all of everything that they had to start over and make us or them 
have to depend on the government. And that is what they are doing in this country today. The George Soroses of the world and everything is we have to depend on them and not mm-hmm. be independent like we are, like the great country we have always been. They're trying to ruin our country. That is communism. Yeah, I, I feel as though that this is an attempt to damage or destroy all the things that would have brought your parents and people like them to this country. And my question is, when you ruin it all, when you destroy it all, then where are people going to flee to? Exactly. And that is what, well, my dad passed away, but my mom is still alive and remembers it as a little girl of growing up. She was a teenager when she had to flee. She goes, we had everything. They owned the distillery in Cuba, the Havana uh, rum distillery, everything. Mm. They took the keys from my grandfather and made mm. him shut the door, and they had to flee, yeah. leave everything, start over from nothing. And they were became great in this country, loved this country still to this day, but what we are seeing and from what they've told me from the history of cuba is what we are seeing today here well you hear that from you know you hear that from immigrants and the children of immigrants from all over the world asia the caribbean africa and and again the, the fear i have is that wherever you were in the world at one time you could have a dream or a goal of getting to the united states because you knew if you could just get there it would be better. And when that's not the case anymore, I, I, I wonder what people will dream about or hope for, or what will make them pick up their feet and, and move. Where will they go? Miriam, thank you. Great call. Appreciate hearing from you. A- answer me this, all right? Can you name a single institution in American life that's gotten stronger in the last, let's say, 30 years? Can you think of anything? I'm not talking about like, well, we have we have smartphones. I'm not talking about stuff or uh, technology. Could you have imagined 30 years ago this country would not have enough baby formula? We would be begging other countries to send some. Could you have imagined five years ago that we would have an American president go and beg Saudi Arabia for oil? Can you imagine the shortages of everything from lumber to tampons? And you look at institutions that you thought, well, if nothing else, we'll always have the military. Nothing else, we'll always have the church. If nothing else, we'll always have academia. Ivy, uh, you know, Ivy Leagues, the Ivory Towers. Can you think of anything? Because I can't. That's not accidental. That's not coincidental. And then on the other hand, if these are going to be hard times, and this is going to be a, 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 a reset of lowered expectations and harsher conditions, wouldn't this be the moment you'd want to make for the most um, strong, fibrous, muscular, I don't just mean physically, young people? And what are we doing instead with young people? We're weakening them. Physically, emotionally, educationally, spiritually, <laughs> keeping them in masks. They can't, they can't even breathe. 
I mean, it, it, it doesn't make sense, right? And, and I think, it, it's, I think it's, a, it's a very small group of people, and I think it's a very thin veneer. And I think they're hoping you won't push back or notice or say anything, or we won't have a conversation like we're having right now. But I think people are having it. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. An update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic coming up. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 537 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. So we're talking about everything from uh, the, I guess, the return of Al Gore to the reset of people for lower expectations about energy and food and consumer goods and freedom. You know, just don't expect too much and you'll be fine and you'll think that the current crop of leaders is fine. They're more than adequate. They're great because this isn't a recession and these aren't high gas prices and you don't really need meat in your diet and you know 210-599-5555 cc is on ktsa hi cc hey how you doing first time listener but i heard you say something i really who would you think we could run other than donald trump i voted for him i think he's too abrasive we need somebody who can work with both parties and get things fixed Mm, well, I got to tell you, I don't think you can work with some of these extremists on the left, CC. I don't care who you are. I mean, when you oh, yeah, when you listen to the way they're talking and when you listen to their goals, you you can't give them even half of what they want. Yeah, I, I hate. But who who would you think should run other than Trump? Well, I wasn't really going to suggest. Na- I'm not. I'm not endorsing anybody. I'm I'm mainly oh, okay. pointing out that right now the conversation is about people that have all either been president or have run for president before we've never in our history had so much recycling of people in their 70s and early 80s it's insane why are we doing that you're right i mean i you know to me the the republicans have a deep bench i think the republicans have governors and senators and people outside of politics they could run i think the democrats may have a little bit of a, a bench issue because they're up and comers are people like Eric Swalwell and, and Ocasio-Cortez, and I don't know how you run them, but uh, as far as the Republicans, I don't think... I mean, they may they may be going to go with Trump, but I don't think they have to. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. If you think of somebody, throw him out there. Well, isn't Ron DeSantis the name that everybody mentions the most often? I mean, doesn't he, doesn't he embody those qualities yeah. that Trump had but has maybe a, a more even temperament about it? Yeah, I'd love to see him run. I'd vote for him. Yeah, CC, thanks for the call. I, I'm a little. I'm not, I'm not endorsing anybody, and I'm and I never do. But I, it is a little puzzling to me <clears throat> that um, DeSantis right now has the making of a really strong uh, candidate, and I would think conservative Republicans would be very excited about a guy who clearly gets what Trump was doing, did it on the Florida level at the, you know, at the Florida level. And um, what is he, 48, I think, or 49? I mean, experience, energy, youth. Can you imagine him on a debate stage with any of these Democrats that are being talked about? 
Now, granted, whoever the Republicans run will be Donald Trump to the media. It doesn't matter if it's Trump himself or Mike Pence or Ron DeSantis or anybody else. They will instantly anoint that person worse than Trump. This was just a discussion on The View this morning. They were saying, oh, DeSantis is worse than Trump. Now, when they used to talk about Trump, it didn't sound like he could be worse, right? He was worse than Hitler. He was worse than Stalin. He was... Well, trust me, there will be worse than Trump. It'll be whoever the Republicans nominate next time. And, and I mean, that's baked into the cake. But um, when we were talking about the, uh, the presidential race, one of the things we were talking about was being ready to govern. Because, you know, we have two political parties in this country, but we have a federal government that is democratic. It is loaded with people that all went to the same schools, all come from the same background, have made a career out of being in the federal government. They, they're, not, they're not citizens of their state, which was the idea originally that you would go to Washington, D.C. And, and represent the interests of your state. That's the, the federalism model. People who go to Washington become denizens of Washington. I don't just mean they live there. I mean they believe their job is to preserve and protect that uh, hierarchy and to climb within it as best and as fast as they can. That's incompatible with liberty. That's incompatible with the rights of states. That's incompatible with individual rights. That's incompatible with putting any kind of limit on what government can do. That's how you get what we've had in the last few years, the abuses under COVID. People appointing themselves and, and, and awarding themselves powers they don't have. They never had. We have to. Did you see, it's in my pile here somewhere, did you see where uh, Dr. Burks, remember her? She was always up there with uh, Anthony Fauci, the briefings. Elizabeth Burks. She's on the, I guess you'd say, on the uh, interview tour or the book tour or whatever now. And she's admitting in multiple interviews that they knew the vaccines would not protect you against infection. She said on CNN, we overplayed the vaccines. Those are her exact words. Not we were wrong. We knew, but we said it anyway. We overplayed the vaccines. And my question is, when is doing your job poorly? When is being caught lying going to cost you a government job the way it would cost you your job? my job we work in a world of accountability they don't I mean Fauci is announcing he will retire in what 2024 is that what he said he'll be 86 how do you get to do that (laughs) who's in charge you know like If aliens were watching from another solar system, they'd be thinking, I guess that Fauci guy, he's running the whole thing, right? He's the top banana in their their hierarchy. 210-599-5555. And, you know, 
it, it, so it isn't just about who's the president. It's about deeper change. Trump had the right idea. He told you that's what needed to happen. He coined a, or used a great expression, draining the swamp. But he didn't do it. And that calls into question whether it can be done and how you do it. Who's the best person to do it? All the Republicans will say that. They're all going to run. They're all going to say they would do that. Who's the best one to do it? What do you think? 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. And are you ready to eat bugs? We'll talk about that, too. And we'll get your votes in on the Stevens Roofing JR poll. You know, it's, uh, it's a very crazy time right now in the housing market and with mortgages. I saw the other day where Loan Depot was laying off thousands of people. The mortgage market is imploding. Housing market is slowing down. And if you're about to make a move, like buy a house, or if you're thinking about refinancing based on your equity, you need good advice on your side. And Helen's Money Team with Guild Mortgage are the people I call at 210-403-0808. And I know they'll do right by you, too. See, these are people with a lot of experience. They know all the different kinds of mortgage products. They can guide you and steer you through the shoals and to the right thing to do, the right thing for you. They're not hell-bent on getting everybody to do one thing or buy one kind of mortgage, but making a plan that's right for you and your family or your goals. Maybe you can't buy a house right now, but getting you on the path to doing that. 210-403-0808 or go to helensmoneyteam.com. Helens Money Team with Guild Mortgage, Equal Housing Lenders, Company, NMLS number 3274. Hey, this is Scott Robbins of Markley Van Camp and Robbins celebrating 100 years of service on News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. 550 on San Antonio's News Talk Station, 550 and 1071, KTSA. You know who the um, actor Paul Sorvino is? Well, he he passed away. We learned that today. He was in Goodfellas and The Sopranos. We're going to remember him uh, coming up a little bit later on. Another actor in the news today, um, Alicia Silverstone. Remember Alicia Silverstone? She came out in the movie Clueless and... She's been in a bunch of movies, uh, The Crush. She was in an Aerosmith video. She, she has talked a lot over the years about parenting, and she went on a podcast and revealed that she still sleeps with her 11-year-old son. They sleep together. He's 11 years old. His nickname is Bear. She says that that is a natural parenting sm- uh, style, and she is a natural a parent. So, kid's 11 years old. Uh, how does that grab you? I mean, I'm not a parenting expert. I wouldn't write a book on it, or nobody would interview me to, to get tips, but that doesn't seem healthy at all. That just does not seem right at all. On any level. She was the one, I don't know if you remember, when he was a baby, she talked about how the way she would feed him is she would chew food and then um, spit it into his mouth. That's what she said. I mean, it could be a bunch of, you know, BS for publicity. Not like an actress would be seeking publicity. but Yeah, she says on the podcast, uh, that is her parenting 
style. And um, she sleeps in the bed with her. Uh, doesn't say if he sleeps with his dad when they're they're divorced. So she's with the son is with him with him some of the time and with her some of the time. I don't know what the arrangement is. It's their only child, and um, eleven years old. Any thoughts on that? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Speaking of movies, did you see the most recent James Bond movie? And if you, I'm not going to do any spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. But in the movie No Time to Die, part of the plot is that a bioweapon has been developed, and it was developed by Britain, but then it got into the hands of Blofeld, the bad guy, of course. But this particular weapon is DNA-based. So it is designed to kill or target and kill people by their DNA. So if we were in a room of 100 people, this weapon could be tailored to be released in that room and only kill five people or only kill the members of a family or kill anybody that had shared DNA. And it wouldn't wouldn't have any effect on anybody else. And that's in the movie. Now, a lot of things in James Bond movies are not real. When I watched that, I wondered, is that is that real? Could that be a real thing? Well, apparently it, it is. Or at least it's in the works. Congressman Jason Crow, Colorado Democrat, uh, says... This is a real possibility. He was speaking at the Aspen Security Forum. He's an Army Ranger, freshman member of Congress. He says that with the technology of companies like Ancestry.com and 23andMe, there is now DNA out there in privately owned databases. And so he says we had to have an open discussion about who could get that. And could our adversaries collect? Are they collecting DNA? And he he believes that there are weapons under development that would be based on that. And of course, I I don't know how, with all respect to him, I don't know how he would know that or if he is just trying to sound the alarm like, hey, this could happen. But I, I think, I think, this kind of thing is probably the a big part of the battlefield of the future, right? I mean, it's going to be tar- tailoring and targeting weapon, you know, weaponry and technology at people, but not damaging or destroying anybody else. When I was young, they used to talk about the neutron bomb. Do you remember the neutron bomb? That was a bomb that would kill people but wouldn't destroy physical structures. And now we're getting to the point where we could attack a city but maybe just kill the the ruler, the ruling people or the ruling family or the elite because we'd know their DNA. We'd tailor the, the, the weapon just for their DNA. What do you think about that? 210-599-5555. And then I, I guess you'd have to say, well, how deep does that go? Because... One of the things we find out when we trace our DNA, we trace our ancestry, is we have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And maybe I'm 
you know, related to somebody in some distant way, is that enough? And again, I'm not giving anything away. You should watch the Bond movie. It's very good. But um, that's part of the plot, is that there's this weapon that they've developed and they've lost control of. And that's the other thing about the technologies of today. Remember when it was a big thing to know how many missiles the United States had and how many missiles the Soviet Union had, or they would count, you know, they have so many heavy bombers, we have so many heavy bombers, we have so many nuclear submarines, they have so many. We're getting to a point where weapons won't be countable. Knowing what a country could do or what the potential striking power of that country is won't be something you can just count or inventory. It's weird. I mean, it's, this, is, this is where we're going. And the thing about it is, you know, in the, in the Bond movie, it goes, it, it goes into or it falls into the hands of or it's procured by this non-government entity. But imagine something like this, this DNA weaponization. This could be in the hands of a non-government entity. It could be in the hands of a small country. Could be in, it could be used within a country in a civil war. Imagine if a country was having a civil war and you wanted to kill the ruling family or the other side's leaders, just decapitate it. And they wouldn't even know what had hit them. That's something to think about. Jason Crow says it's right around the corner. 210-599-5555. We're going to get to your calls and your votes in the JR poll. We're going to catch up on all the news with Christian and then do that next. Celebrating 100 years of service, I'm Christian Blood. Here we go again with Jack Riccardi. All right, and here we go again seems to be the political theme these days um, as everybody's figuring out who should run or who's going to run in 2024. They're dusting off old candidates. Uh, You've heard talk about Hillary making a comeback. She says, no, I wouldn't do that. But you have to say, you have to pretend not to be interested, right? That's the, that's the ritual. You can't jump at it immediately. Inside you can. But outside you have to be, oh, no, I'm, I'm past that now. So Hillary, Bernie, uh, Al Gore is back in the news. Al Gore is being talked up. Democrats are saying he'd be perfect. I mean, he's the green energy guy. He's the climate change guy. That's the biggest thing we have right now. And, and we need him. And, uh, and he should have been president. He really was. He, he's, he was the Stacey Abrams before we had Stacey Abrams. He, he was the real winner in 2000. So he goes on Meet the Press, and he aw-shucks the question about running for president in 2024. But then he's talking about the urgency of climate change. And, you know, Al Gore has run this jive for 20-plus years, he, I'm old enough to remember when Al Gore was like the Joe Manchin of the Democratic Party. He was considered centrist, right of center, very reasonable. There were a lot of people who said as Republicans, you know, their favorite Democrat was Al Gore. This is back in the, I'm talking about the 80s now. Anyhow, he's gone around the bend on, on climate change, and he was reaching for the most powerful, damning statement he could make about what he calls climate deniers, what you and I would call people that disagree with Al Gore. And here's the analogy on Meet the Press on NBC that the former vice president made. You know, the climate deniers uh, uh, are 
really in some ways similar to all of those uh, almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door uh, while the children were being massacred. They heard the screams, they heard the gunshots, and uh, nobody stepped forward. And God bless those families who've suffered so much. And law enforcement officials tell us that's not typical of what uh, law enforcement usually does. And confronted with this global emergency, what we're doing with our inaction and failing to walk through the door and stop the killing uh, is not typical of what we are capable of as human beings. Now, I'm a little confused because don't we have a Democratic president who ran on the climate and a Democratic majority in both houses of Congress? Why is Al Gore disappointed? In other words, why aren't we doing what he believes we need to be doing? We need to be running through that door, breaking through that door, and killing climate change. Just like those cops should have gone right in. Al Gore says, just like those cops, we're standing around. Well, the we are people in his own party. And it's not just at the federal level. There are several major states that are governed by climate change believers. They worship at the same altar as Al Gore. Why aren't they doing the draconian things in their states, setting an example, shaming the rest of us? Why aren't they doing it? The president... The last thing he did before he came down with COVID was he went to Massachusetts. Massachusetts is a state where you can count all the Republicans in the legislature on one hand. It's a, it's a liberal state. But they only get 1% of their energy from renewables. You know why? Because it gets really cold and stays that way for a really long time. And all those elites in Cambridge at Harvard don't want to freeze their asses off waiting for the windmills to spin. And the sun doesn't shine a lot in summer. I mean, in uh, winter up there. Sometimes not. Sometimes for weeks at a time. I know. I spent the first half of my life there. You can't do it. So they don't do it. But we should all do it. 210 599 55. Yeah, but it's puzzling to me to hear all the mourning and, and weeping and gnashing of teeth from the climate people. You would think that they were on the outside looking in. They're in power. They're running everything. Not only are they running the federal government, they've taken over higher education. And every major corporation in America is woke. Why isn't Al Gore getting what he wants? Why does Al Gore himself not live like this is an emergency? Because they know it isn't. Because crisis is like a, a, a dog whistle word for them. It means give me more power. It means let me run everything. You know, in a crisis, we turn to someone and we say, do something. That's what they want you to do right now. Hand everything over to them. Do something. Save us. What do you think about all that? 210-599-5555. I'm finding it amusing, and I know a lot of it is theatrical and play acting, but have you noticed the way the media have turned on President Biden? 
I mean, they, they put him in. They made the case for him. They upheld him and extolled him and handled him with kid gloves. They don't want to handle him now because he has COVID. But, they, I mean, they gentled him into the presidency. They resuscitated a moribund political career. I mean, it was as dead as political careers can get. He was done in 2017. Done. And they've maneuvered and massaged him into into power again now they're acting like they don't know how that happened this guy can't be president and the washington post editorialized over the weekend quit joe quit i mean if that was a conservative paper if it was a trump endorsing paper you wouldn't bat an eyelash this is a paper that's that told its readers to vote for joe biden what do we know about joe biden now that we didn't know in 2020? Answer, nothing. So why are they turning on him? And I want to be clear about this and tell you what I think, and I want to hear what you think. But I want to be clear, this is not some sort of road to Damascus, you know, moment where you you suddenly realize these policies are disastrous or... This isn't going to work, or we're wrecking the economy. No, no, no. Everybody denouncing Joe Biden, and by the way, all the attention being paid to Hunter right now is a pretty clear indication that they're putting a fork in Joe. Because if Hunter is in the news, Joe's in trouble. If Hunter can be indicted, Joe's really in trouble. If major Democratic Party newspapers are editorializing that he shouldn't run for president, it's going to look mighty weird of them endorsing him in the fall of 2024. Don't think they won't, but I'm just saying. But it's not, it's not the policies they're rethinking. It's not the positions they've taken. It's not the direction of the country. It's just him. They just want a better, more effective representative or face for all that. They're, they're not happy with Joe Biden being the point man being the tip of the spear, being the face of things like the Green New Deal. Maybe we can get Hillary. Maybe we can get Al Gore. Heck, get Jimmy Carter. He's only, what, 95? Maybe we can get Michelle. I, I, heard, I, I watched a news program where they made the case for an hour. It'll be Michelle in 2024. Nothing against Michelle, but, I mean, wh- why are we going to, to historical figures? And I wonder if it's because the more of a known quantity and familiar the figurehead is, the less likely you are to wonder, what are they really doing? What does this really mean? What is the policy? Like when a new person shows up, what's he all about? What is she going to do? But you put somebody very familiar, and the low-information voter thinks, oh, this won't be any big deal. I'll, I'll be happy with this. I'll sleep well at night knowing President Michelle Obama is on the job or President Oprah Winfrey is on the job. But see, that's just a rerun of the the tactic that got you Joe Biden. Don't look too closely at what we're doing. Just concentrate on this very benign, familiar, respectable face. 210-599-5555. I mean, what's hurting us are these policies not biden's persona i'm not saying it's great 
you don't want somebody with the limitations of a Joe Biden meeting with our adversaries or going to summits. But but the real issue here is is the energy policy, the economic policy. And surely you don't think that the people that are trying to oust him are also trying to change direction on those policies. They're not. If anything, they just want to put the pedal down fat. They need somebody that can press the accelerator pedal harder than he is able to. That's it. That's the only thing they want. They want to go faster. 210-599-5555. Your thoughts on that? Your votes in the Stevens Roofing JR poll after we update KTSA Time Saver Traffic. Made in America is a big thing. People look for that. It helps influence what they buy or which product they buy. Remember the television special? I think Diane Sawyer did it years ago where she they went into a home and they removed all the things that were not made in America, every object, every item, and there was hardly anything left. They stripped it down. It's hard to find, but it's not impossible. Like a Connecticut water softener is made in America, always has been. And it's got a durability and a reliability that makes it the water softening technology of choice for hospitals and hotels. And with their incredible water usage, if it's strong enough to work there, you know it will work in your house. You can even try it for 90 days to see if you like it before you sign the papers and own it. 210-656-PURE or KineticoSA.com, 210-656-7873. The Jack Riccardi Show. Valverde Road at Loop 1604. Traffic signals dark in all directions, so treat as an always stop there. Disabled vehicle causing a 10-15 minute delay. Right lane blocked on Loop 1604 West and a Babcock slowdowns there from I-10. And an accident partially blocking the 410 Westbound Connector Ramp on 281 Southbound at Northeast Loop 410. And slowdowns, just minor delays. I-10 lower level southbound between Cincinnati and West Martin Street. I'm Debbie Sexton, KTSA, Time Saver Traffic. I was in a terrible accident with a commercial vehicle. I had to have surgery on my back. My life was turned upside down and I was completely screwed. Then I called the Fours, the Davis Law Firm. Jeff personally handled my case. After expenses and attorney fees, I received $397,988. It's really true. Jeff was here for me. I'm Jeff Davis. If you were injured by a car or large truck, call me at my San Antonio office at 444-4444. That's 444-4444. There's only one number to remember, and that's four. It used to be when friends would ask me to help them sell their car, that meant help them write the ad they were going to post or be with them when people wanted to look at it or meet or test drive. But now when people ask for help, I tell them about GiveMeTheVin.com. I'm telling you about it. And, and the reason for that is because if you want to sell your car and get the money, but you don't want to sell your car... You don't want to deal with that. You don't have to. There's no reason to. GiveMeTheVin.com is not a website to post ads on. GiveMeTheVin.com is the buyer. They want to buy cars, trucks, SUVs, farm vehicles, work vehicles, ATVs, RVs. You had it. You loved it. You don't need it anymore. You bought it. You wished you hadn't. Whatever the story is. GiveMeTheVin.com makes you a strong offer often very quickly after you supply the photos and the VIN number, and then you get a, you get the check in hand, you hand over the key, and that's the whole deal. That's the whole transaction. So 
A-plus rated, five-star reviews. Check it out for yourself. Test drive it, if you will. Go to GiveMeTheVin.com. I don't have to tell you it's hot. You've been stressing out over those sky-high electric bills. But it doesn't have to be that way. Don Rackler, what is John Wayne Service Company doing to help homeowners? With John Wayne's exclusive Flex AC system, we'll keep you cool and comfortable all summer long, and we'll cut your electric bill up to 50%. Plus, I guarantee the lowest interest and payment. But don't worry about making those payments till 2023. No payment until 2023? But what about paying those high electric bills? When you purchase your new John Wayne Flex AC system, I'll pay your electric bill for the next six months. Wow. Purchase an energy-efficient John Wayne Flex AC system with no payments until 2023, and John Wayne will also pay your electric bill for the next six months. Only from John Wayne Service Company, your local home experts. Call or text John Wayne today at 293-6700. Or go to johnwayne.com. License number 1785C. Call for details. Some restrictions apply. There's never any FOMO with the iHeartRadio app. You won't ever have to miss out on your favorite shows and contests with this radio station again. Radio 24-7, 365. We're here when you want us. Stay connected and listen anywhere when you download the free iHeartRadio app. When it comes to hiring a roofer, don't mess around. Call my friends at Stevens Roofing. These guys cover all of South Texas, and I trust them to give you an affordable solution for all your roofing needs. Stevens Roofing, 210-785-0994. Celebrating 100 years of service. 55 KTSA. Six twenty-two on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. Jack here. Later in the hour, we'll have the results in our Stevens Roofing JR poll. In case you happen to spot the falling space debris from last night, I. I missed that. This stuff was always, they always tell you, oh, if you're outside at, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning, if you're outside at 3.52 in the, in the morning, I think this was like 10.30 or 11, but yeah, I'm, never, I'm never out there when these things happen. I miss all the good stuff. But apparently there was some visible space debris reentering the atmosphere, if you believe that's what it was. I know some people do, some people don't. I didn't see it. Uh, 210-599-5555. So Joe Biden is really all of a sudden being thrown under the bus by all of the entities that helped make him president, that assured us he was the man we were waiting for, the man we needed, the antidote to Trump. Now, you could see if he'd been in office for years, but he's only been in office for a year and a half. And you hear these media types, oh, he's got to go. (laughs) What the hell's the matter with you people? He's no different than he was during the election, those rare times we could see him. I mean, the decline is rapid, I'll give you that. And it's probably going to be worse when he starts showing up again after COVID because there's something about COVID that when older people get it, sometimes they have kind of a long-lasting fog or confusion, and that's going to be on top of the fog and confusion that the president is already in. I just I would love to ask one of them who are writing these columns and these editorials and doing these panel shows. He can't run again. He's got to step aside. Why did you foist him on us? Why did he seem like such a good idea a year and a half ago? You were comparing him to FDR. <laughs> He's turned out to be more like James Buchanan. 
210-599-5555. I thought this was weird. So they've had the, the COVID briefings every day, and they don't have the president's physician give them. They have the president's COVID advisor give them. Dr. Ja is not treating Joe Biden. He's not even in his presence. But he's the one that comes out and tells us how the president's doing with COVID. And this was a weird moment the other day when he was explaining or describing how well the patient is doing. Cut number three. And as you all saw just a few minutes ago, the president is doing better. He slept well last night. Uh, He ate his breakfast and lunch. I fully, he actually showed me his plate. I want to say this as respectfully as I can, because I have older relatives who are, you know, declining and we're taking care of them and so forth. Doesn't that sound like the way you would describe a visit to, you know, great grandpa at the nursing home? He cleaned his plate. Look, everyone. It's it's unsettling. But again, it's not surprising. He's 79. He's about to turn 80. He was clearly not up to campaigning. In any other election cycle, that would have been the downfall of his candidacy. It was, in fact, when he was out there campaigning pre-COVID, he was tanking. Don't you find it interesting that around the same time that the Democrats all sort of collapsed behind him, everybody got out of the race and got behind him, that was right around the same period, within a few, you know, like a week or two or three of, oh, COVID's shutting down the country. We can't have a normal presidential campaign. And so I'm not buying that they've awakened to or they've realized This man can't continue. He can't run for another term. They used him to get into power. They used him to get the people now making the decisions into place. And they don't need him. They're throwing him away. He's he's holding them back. He can't go as fast as they want to go. He's not as effective as they need to be. They're flirting with someone else because... They want to keep the same policies. They haven't, they haven't had a wake-up moment or a come-to-Jesus moment about, about any of this. That would be a different story. That would be a big story. If a political party won an election and then a year and a half in said, we've been wrong about everything. <laughs> this isn't working. We've got to change our ways. Drill, baby, drill. That's not what's happening. They just want to change him. Everything else is going to stay the same. 210-599-5555. And then we have this actress, Alicia Silverstone, says she still sleeps with her 11-year-old son because that's following nature. Now, I don't want to give you more information than you wanted, and maybe I already have. She also said uh, when she was raising him as a baby, she did not use diapers because she um, watched his cues, C-U-E-S, to know when he needed to do number one or number two. Those are some fast reflexes, Alicia. I mean, you must have been lightning quick. You must have just stayed near a a bathroom 24-7. Watch their cues. So, yeah, no diaper, no crib. 
You know, if she's raising them in nature, why does she just like lay on the ground outside a tree with them or something? You know, like lay, lay in the bushes with them. <laughs> why are you in a house? Why are you in a bed? That's not nature. I know it seems weird. Maybe you like it. Maybe maybe people do it. Maybe more people do it than we realize. I mean, she's a celebrity, so she's this is getting promoted. But maybe this is more common than I think it is. I I knew one woman who, and I won't give any hints here, but I did know a woman that was still sleeping with her son, probably to that age, I think even maybe past that age. And I didn't say anything. She talked about it a lot. Um, I, I, I have a sense that that would not be good for the child. Pretty sure it's not. There's something about the tried and true ways we've raised children these many years. There's a reason for it. And 11 is just way past the date, I would think. 